0: Welcome to this edition of the Pac-Man podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm your host, Ted Flint. And in this edition, I'd like to talk about a couple of uh, couple of issues regarding the federal government and actually some state governments and some changes made in the four swing states in uh, election laws in those states. So we're not going to see a repeat of what happened in the presidential contest of 2020. We'll start with, it, with that and then we'll go to the IRS and, and what's happening there. And I'm sure most of you have heard the increased budget the IRS is getting. Eighty-seven thousand additional agents. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. It was a piece written by uh, Stephen Moore. He had a run-in with the IRS recently, and it cost him tens of thousands of dollars to clear up a mistake that the IRS made. So we'll talk about that. Let's begin with some of these voting procedures. They're going to be different in the four states, the the competitive battleground states in this fall's midterm elections. We know what happened in 2020. We don't want to see a repeat of what happened then. The most narrow margins of the last presidential election were in the states of Arizona, where Joe Biden allegedly defeated Trump by just over 10,000 votes. 11,000 votes were shady in just one county, in Maricopa County, Arizona. There'll be some changes this time around. Georgia, Biden beat Trump by fewer than 12,000 votes. In Wisconsin, Biden won by just over 20,000 votes. And that's the most egregious of the four states, I think, is what happened in Wisconsin with these election, uh, these ballot drop boxes. They're done, hopefully. And in Pennsylvania, where Biden won by more than 80,000 votes, Trump challenged the outcomes in these and other states, but official investigations, especially specifically in Wisconsin and Arizona, did not conclude, according to this piece in the Daily Signal, that the fraud changed the election results. I would beg to differ. But let's take a look at what happened in in these four states. Last month, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled in the case of Teagan versus Wisconsin Elections Commission that the state acted unlawfully in 2020 when it implemented the use of unattended ballot drop boxes. How could anybody with a A modicum of common sense not think that that was going to happen. No state statute had authorized the practice. So why did it happen? If the state didn't authorize it, who did? These Democratic governors and their secretaries of states made all these changes in the weeks and months leading up to the election. And Republicans just, they were asleep at the switch. The Republican state legislature, uh, the the state legislature in Wisconsin, I should say, is Republican controlled. Same in Pennsylvania, same in Arizona. So they, there were the consequences where there would be litigation. And then this uh, Adams, he is uh, J. Christian Adams, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, which is a watchdog group. He told the Daily Signal that the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court's rulings is more than just about drop boxes. The opinion says officials cannot break the law in the middle of an election season without consequences. Why would you need a law for that? You shouldn't be able to break the law anytime, but they broke the law in Wisconsin. In 2021, a total of 19 states, Arizona and Georgia among them, passed election reforms. Several more did this year. And uh, most expanded voter ID to include mail-in balloting, limited ballot harvesting, which allows political operatives to distribute and collect large sums of absentee ballots as they did in Wisconsin. All right, let's move on to Pennsylvania. There's a ban on so-called Zuckerbucks. Last month, Governor Tom Wolf, this guy is, he is, he's a wolf. He really is. This guy is a weasel. Democrat, he looks like a weasel. He signed legislation. He had to. The Republican-controlled legislature finally woke up. They banned private money from financing election administration. And the change was in response to Zuckerberg's $400 million donation for local election administration. Now, he knew these, these liberals are well-organized, they're well-funded, they're, they're playing chess, we're playing checkers, but the ban on such outside contributions, part of a deal that increased Pennsylvania state funding for counties for use uh, to use for election administration. So, I mean, it's part of a quid pro quo, and I think that's, that's certainly a good start. In Arizona, one new Arizona law requires the Secretary of State in that state of Arizona compare death records with a statewide voter registration database to root out Invalid voters. Another state law enhances the security of voting machines. And a third new law in Arizona stipulates removal of the names of inactive voters, especially dead ones, that be removed, the names, from an early voting list if they've not voted in two consecutive election cycles. It makes sense. And a fourth law requires voters to sign the envelope in which they submit their absentee ballot. All right, Georgia. This weasel down there, this uh, Stacey Abrams, is still at it. Uh, These people, um, they're so crooked. They cheat, openly cheat, and think nothing of it. But the Georgia law reforming elections requires voters to show a valid ID before casting an absentee ballot. It's not racist to demand a a voter ID of someone if they're voting. You have to show your ID if you want to do a half a million things. You need to show your ID. I got train tickets to see a a concert. I'm going to be going tonight as I record this. It's Monday. Actually, it's Tuesday. There's a concert in New York City at Madison Square Garden. I'm taking my daughter's uh, 21 pilots. I had to show my, uh, my uh, license, <clears throat> a valid driver's license, so I could get the train tickets. It's just common sense. But this law also establishes guidelines for ballot drop boxes, aims to shorten lines at polling places, and gives the state elections board more oversight of election administration by the counties. And in one of the, if its more controversial aspects, according to this piece from the Daily Signal, the Georgia measure prohibits political operatives from offering food, bottled water, or anything of value within 150 feet of a polling place. Only New York and Montana have similar provisions. And uh, a lot of state lawmakers in uh, Georgia are, they, they adopted this phrase, easy to vote, hard to cheat. Well, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Now in Wisconsin, I told you about the state Supreme Court saying you gotta get rid of the the uh, the drop boxes, the ballot drop boxes, but they haven't done it yet. I mean, they're I'm not saying they're defying the court order, but it hasn't happened. It they need to go. Those those drop boxes just open the door for all kinds of monkey business. All right, on to the IRS. You know, I got a piece here, I get David Horowitz's stuff in my in my e- e-box, David Horowitz, New York Times bestselling author. I've had him on my uh, my former talk show many times. He is a, a brilliant writer and thinker. And he he refers to Biden's IRS as the Gestapo. Now, he's Jewish, Horowitz. And he says, I don't like to use that phrase lightly. It's Biden's uh, a Gestapo. And the left has been weaponizing these federal agencies, the FBI, the IRS. They've been weaponizing these... Uh, Agencies for for years since Obama, maybe even before that Bill Clinton weaponized the the IRS But what Biden's administration is doing is it's more sinister. It's evil Uh, 87,000 new agents Why do we need more IRS agents an 80 billion dollar cash infusion to the IRS? I mean we talk about draining the swamp all the time. The IRS has got to get drained and I think when Republicans take over the, the House, I'll, I doubt it's going to happen. I mean, we, we, we need an IRS. We need a, a government agency to collect taxes. You can abolish the IRS, as, as conservatives have been talking about doing for decades, but you're going to need some kind of a, uh, a, a collection arm to collect, you know, revenue from, from taxpayers. But I think these people, the head of the IRS, head of the FBI, these people need to be prosecuted. But it's not going to happen. Because there's a shadow government in place. It's been in place for decades. And it operates independently of Congress, independently of the administration, Republican or Democrat. Well, not Democrat so much. But they, these people are, are lifers. They're in these federal agencies, the bureaucracy, for, for decades. But Clinton's IRS, he sent the IRS after Paula Jones and Jennifer Flowers because they accused them of uh, sexual impropriety. I mean, I think, what I can't think of the woman's name now. She... Um, accused Clinton of raping her. So Clinton sends the IRS, at, six the IRS after them. And leading up to the 2012 election, Obama, he, his IRS targeted the Tea Party groups, other conservative organizations. So this is nothing new. Uh, before we move on to the FBI raid of Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago, I want to just uh, add here this, this uh, story by Stephen Moore. He writes for the Hoover Institute or the Heritage Foundation. I forget which. He writes for a number of uh, a publication's excellent writer. He's uh, uh, one of the top money guys in the country he has been so for decades He talked about a, a his run-in with the IRS Recently and it cost him, you know tens of thousands of dollars out of his own pocket now He's got the money obviously, but and it was the IRS who made the mistake and when the d- mistake was discovered. They they said well, whoops Sorry about that and he's out the money in legal fees so he talks about the IRS doubling their budget and adding 87,000 employees and it's part of this Inflation Explosion Act that was recently adopted. It's, got, it's going to do nothing to, to lower inflation, this Inflation Reduction Act so-called. So uh, Ben Cardin, he, in, in, uh, in his piece here, Moore's piece, he said Senator Cardin, who's a Democrat from Maryland, patronizingly dismissed any concerns about taxpayer abuses by saying, if you're not cheating on your taxes, you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> more rights and absolutely correctly so that that's the language of tyrants. That's what Joe Stalin would have said. If you're not you're not behind on your taxes, you're not trying to cheat the government, what do you have to worry about? And then he talks about his three year dispute with the IRS. And it cost him like you know tens of thousands of his own dollars. When you're under IRS investigation, they place a lien on your bank account. Evidently, it hasn't happened to me. I've never been behind in my taxes. But you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. Everything's just flipped. We're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Not when it comes to the IRS. They got 2,159 special agents, whatever that means. They spent $21.3 million on guns, ammunition, and military-style equipment between fiscal years 2006 and 2019. They got 4,500 guns, 5 million rounds of ammunition. How many of these new 87,000 employees are going to be armed? And why does a tax collection agency need guns? Has anybody thought about that? Why would the IRS need guns? Now, you can assume the worst. And if you do assume the worst and you put anything on social media, Facebook flags you, as they did me. Have you heard in in the last few days, or I think it was a week since I did the last show, this, any talk of a... A right-wing led civil war. I I, I hear about it. I I read about it just about every day. The the president's poll numbers are in the toilet. They're tanking yet further as midterms approach. And the left is trying to scare us into believing that radical right-wing extremists, violent extremists are somehow trying to uh, start a civil war. So we're going to use the ballot boxes to take over things come November. That's how we do it. Recently, I'm looking at a piece here from Victor Davis Hanson. He quotes presidential historian Michael, I think it's Betchloss or beach Loss, And most of these presidential historians are liberals, almost right to a man. I, I, the other guy I'm thinking of is John Meacham, excellent uh, speaker. He's a very bright guy, good writer. Most of the historians, though, are, are on the left, except David Petruccia, personal friend of mine who is an excellent uh, presidential historian. He's an expert on on a Calvin Coolidge, he is a conservative, but most of these people are liberal. So Meacham was speculating about the parameters of such a civil war. And he's you know an ironic source because days earlier he had tweeted references to the executions of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, who back in the, for those of you not familiar with them, they were passing U.S. nuclear secrets to the Soviets in the 50s. And they got convicted and they were sentenced to death and they, they got the, the death penalty and rightly so. But at this to insinuate that Trump might justly suffer the same fate due to his supposed mishandling of nuclear secrets, we don't know what those documents consisted of. I don't know. I haven't heard. That's, that, that's been leaked out there, that somehow there were nuclear secrets part of this uh, documentation that Trump took to Mar-a-Lago. We don't know that. So former CIA director Michael Hayden, again, part of the swamp, picked up on Beach loss's death penalty prompt, he added, adding that it sounds about right. Hayden gained notoriety for comparing Trump's continuance of the Obama administration's border detention facilities to Hitler's death camps. These people are ridiculous. They're all Obama people. And they're, they're just embedded in the federal government. They have been for, for decades. This guy, this Hayden, he's one of the people assuring the public that Hunter Biden's Laptop was likely Russian disinformation. These are the same people who put out the Russian collusion hoax and the January 6th insurrection. They're trying to scare you into believing there's going to be some kind of right-wing-inspired civil war. It's not going to happen. Don't buy into it. Hollywood's already bought into it. These Pentagon lifers are promising to learn about white rage in the military and to root it out. White rage? How about data to suggest that other males of other races could be guilty of, uh, of chauvinism or rage. Why is it white rage? What about black rage or Hispanic rage? We don't hear about any insurrectionary plans to kidnap the, uh, the governor of Michigan. Rem- remember that? The FBI's prints were all over that sordid little drama. The governor of Michigan, I, uh, what's her name, Whitmer. It's unbelievable. Twelve FBI informants outnumbered the supposed four conspirators and two of them were acquitted by a jury. The other two were found so far found not guilty due to a mistrial. But the FBI is stirring up trouble. The FBI is so anti-Trump. People have lost uh, confidence in the FBI as a a law enforcement agency. There were all kinds of polls to to show that. There's no insurrectionary right-wing movement afoot. There is, you know, look what happened January 6th. Right-wing revolutionaries trying to overthrow the government. That gave the federal government the right to weaponize our, our uh, law enforcement agencies and put barbed wire around the, the, uh, the Capitol. Thousands of federal troops were stationed there. There were no weapons uncovered on January 6th. The only weapons were held by the government, by the Capitol Police. In contrast, let's talk about Antifa and BLM. They Those weren't one and done. They systematically, the left is great at this, they organized a series of deadly riots in the summer of 2020 all across the country, especially, especially in uh, Portland and Seattle. For four months, 35 people were killed in those riots, $2 billion in property damage, hundreds of police officers injured, do we hear about BLM and Antifa? No. All we hear about is January 6th and Russia collusion. Now, Marilago, Crickets when it comes to the left's violence and their insurrectionary practices. I didn't plan to go down this road, but unfortunately, uh, that's what happens sometimes. All right, we're about out of time. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning in. Soon. We'll be back with the show uh, possibly by the weekend. My daughter is going to do part, part two of her interview with uh, myself and my wife Natasha, she's my my daughter's uh I think she has a future in broadcasting. I really do. She's got a future in a lot of different areas, has many different talents, and uh they're all God given. We thank we thank the Lord for that. Thank you very much for tuning us in. If you want to check out the fine programming we have for you on the BMG Network, go to the bmgnetwork.com and uh and check it out. We have this show, the Pac-Man Podcast. We have uh, the Ken Burns show. Adrian Ross does a program for you on Tuesday, and my daughter Madeline with The Essentials with Maddie Flint, which airs, I think, on Fridays. All right, if you want to contact me directly, it is Pac-Man, P-A-C-M-A-N, at network.com, all lowercase. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod.